off we go here on another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. And on this week's episode, we're happy to have on uh, Brooke Wilson, the uh, head varsity lacrosse coach at uh, Ligonor High School. And uh, the Lancers are having a great season so far. Uh, recently had a big win over Urbana and are, are playing some pretty good lacrosse as the season comes down the back stretch here. So we look forward to talking to Coach Wilson about her team and her career and uh, just her expectations uh, for her team as uh, the playoffs approach. Uh, but first, time to swing around to the Frederick County sports scene with my colleague here, Alexander Dacey. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh any real change to our power rankings? Uh, I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of movement this No, week. this was kind of because spring break started up on a Friday. There's been kind of not a ton happening in the last week. Um, that plus some rainouts uh, and just some reschedules has kind of caused a bit of a, you know, kind of weird shuffle in the schedule. Um, this, this, this week is definitely one of the, uh, one of the odder weeks um of this season but so yeah there's not really been a ton of change um you know it pretty much any any sport uh yeah i mean baseball uh urbana is still crushing everyone with Ur- uh with, with with their pitching and their and their lineup too Ur- i mean um, urbana urbana right now i think i think i think the one thing that has been co- become clear is that not only are they the number one team in the county but they're like a very clear a very clear number one team in the county and they're they're a major – I mean, they were expected to be a state title contender coming into the year, but I think they're kind of showing that. Um, yeah, you know, they're just kind of steamrolling their competition I, right I'd now. Sort of like to, I'd sort of like to see them take on Sherwood again uh, after losing that opening uh, game to them. Definitely. So. I, I think Sherwood – I don't know – I think they. Ha- I think Sherwood does have a loss now. I'm not sure exactly who that is to, but, yeah, I would like to – I would like – because now, again, I, I think they're pretty even. I, and, again, I – you know, that was really just one bad inning did Urbana in. So I'd like to see, I'd like to see that game again. And it's very it's very because they're in the same uh region. same region, it's yeah. very, you know, very likely that that will end up being the regional matchup. Yeah, so, so Urbana, Catoctin, Brunswick, and TJ. Uh I guess Lignor will be under consideration uh for next week's power rankings after their big win over Catoctin uh this week. And and I'll talk to you about that in a second. The big uh, Ben Moore um versus Joey McManus uh, pitching matchup. Uh, softball, Catoctin, Ligonor, Thomas Johnson, Middletown. That seems pretty solid. Catoctin beat uh, Ligonor uh, th- this week. And then in the lacrosses, uh, Bo- Urbana, Ligonor, Middletown for the boys. Middletown, Ligonor, Urbana for the girls. Uh, tennis, Urbana, and Middletown are the, are the cream of the crop. So, yeah, not, not a lot of movement in our in our power rankings this week. Uh, we'll revisit it every week, of course, and, and, and move teams up and down as warranted. But, um, yeah, man, uh, pitching remains the story of this baseball season. Uh, you, you, you saw a great one on uh, Wednesday with Ben Moore of Ligonor and uh, McManus of uh, Catoctin. And uh, Moore was great, as usual, finally got some run support, which, yeah. was, which was the big notable thing because Ligonor really hadn't been scoring any runs for him. Yeah, no, Ben Moore entering entering that game uh, against Catoctin had a .29 ERA, microscopic, but he also was only 1-3. in three. Um, and that's what uh, Lancers coach David Kyling told me when I was there a couple weeks ago when they lost a, a close one to Urbana. He's basically just like, Ben's pitch great, but we got to get him some runs. And 
you know, now they played Catoctin and and they finally did. And it was kind of surprising that they did it against Catoctin and, and specifically Joey McManus, of all people, who has also been completely tearing it up uh, for Catoctin. He had kind of a rare off rare off uh, start. Yeah, that, that was um, the most jarring thing about the whole game, I think, was just how poorly McManus pitched because he's been lights out all season. Yeah, and that that's that surprised me. I mean, it, it was kind of evident from the from the second batter he was really struggling to command his curveball. Um, hit a couple guys, threw a couple wild pitches, had some walks. Uh, he he did settle down like towards after after he allowed four runs, he'd kind of settled back down, but by that point his pitch count was just getting up there and they had to they had to pull him and then their their uh the other Catoctin pitchers kind of fell apart. So yeah, that ended up being a very a, a surprisingly big win. I, I don't know if I would I don't know if I want to say it's necessarily surprising that Linganore wanna start with Ben Moore pitching just because he is so good. But I think it's more just the way they won, you know, kind of what was more surprising. But no yeah. Linganore is Linganore is definitely uh when they can when they can score, which admittedly has not been frequent this season, because just about half their runs have come in two games: this one and then uh, one of you know one of the early games against Walkersville. Um, you know, but if if they can score, they're 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 in good they're in good shape. Yeah, you're set to see another great pitching matchup on Thursday of this week. Is uh, Urbana? You you you'll, you'll see Urbana again. Is uh, Brendan Yegish goes up against uh, Ryan DeSanto of Tuscarora. That, that that should be really interesting. The game was supposed to happen, I guess, on uh, Tuesday of this week, and it, and it got rained out and pushed uh, pushed to Thursday. But that should be another great one. Yeah, and I'm that one. I'm I'm very intrigued by, especially with Tuscarora, because obviously you know Urbana's cream of the crop. Their closest Frederick County game this year was a four three loss to Tuscarora a few weeks ago. And Tuscarora has a four three win. Oh, sorry, four three win. It was a four yeah. three Tuscarora loss to Urbana. You know, four three Urbana win. Um, but Tuscarora, like, they have statistically the best pitching staff in in the in the county. They've allowed the and they've allowed the fewest like t- like as a team they've allowed the fewest runs in the county. It's remarkable considering everyone's like too deep. I, exactly. And I mean, well they, and they're 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 too deep with, you know, Ryan and then his twin brother Drew DeSanto at the top, but then they, you know, when I I covered one I covered one of their games against Frederick last week and, you know, coach O'Brien said he can basically trust eight guys at this point. Um, you know, if and, and and I mean look look at this point they're 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 six and three but they've all, again they're only allowing like two runs a game so again you know the, all their losses are one run games and they're just you know I I'd be really interested to see if DeSanto can outduel Yegish because again Yegish at this point is also is not allowed an earned run in something like something like twenty innings pitched which is per, again. Just remar- just remarkable. And, but, and, and at the plate, he leads the county in home runs and RBIs. Yeah, so, so it, it, I, that one will be just very fascinating because I think if 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 I think if there's one team left on Urbana's schedule in the county that can pull something off, it's probably Tuscarora, and it's probably going to be in that game on Thursday, um, just because they don't play Catoctin and Brunswick. So I, I think I think if there's one team that get that that will give. Urbana a fit it will be Tuscarora yeah and just to let everyone know Alexander is working on a story on all the stud pitching which has been yeah. the, sto- the story of really the spring in Frederick County is all the stud pitching uh in, in baseball you're working on a story that will be out 
uh, go, heading into the playoffs, I think, that, yeah. that first week in May, right? Yeah, so I just started doing a little bit of legwork on this this week, but um, we're doing a, you know, like, like Greg said, we're doing a big story on, uh, you know, just all the pitching and, and how everyone's been good. So I've, I've talked to a handful of the pitchers, handful of the coaches so far. As, as I'm going to all these games, I'll, you know, kind of tick off more and more. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been kind of interesting. Everyone's pretty much had the same sentiment of, this is the best we've seen in Frederick County. Like we, like like this is you know kind of bar none. Um, you know, it, it's never been quite this good and quite this deep and competitive. Um, but yeah, so starting to starting to chip away on that. That should hopefully be out May seventh. Um, as sort of like a regular season wrap up playoff preview kind yeah. of thing so certainly warranted and i don't want to give away too much but there is a common thread between all these pitchers it's the pitching coach uh who who, who works with most of them yeah and, and so and so i'm i again i, I need to re, i need to reach out to him and get a little bit more but uh a lot of the you know a lot of these kids go to this go to the same pitching coach um you know private pitching coach outside of outside of it and a lot of them you know, also might have, you know, a second or third other pitching coach. Uh, like, like I talked to Ben Moore today or uh, Wednesday, you know, after the, after the, after the, uh, Catoctin, Lingenor Catoctin game. And he told me that he's, you know, he's got, you know, in addition to this, this one coach, he has another one that he works out with. One of his teammates has like a, has like, is like a warehouse that is at his like place that he sort of, you know, modified into like a, like a place where he can throw year round basically. So, you know they they've all kind of got their little you know you know little things that they, that they do pretty much you know the entirety of the season which in some ways is not that surprising cuz again like when i played i had a private pitching coach i had a private hitting coach so it's like you know e- you know even for for players who are not you know going on to the next level a lot of these you know a lot of these kids do have private you know do private workouts but I mean, especially if you're if you're all you know like high level D one athletes like these guys are you know these guys are going to be, it, it almost seems like it's a no brainer. Just just out of curiosity, do these guys get super juiced to face each other? I mean, uh, when Ben is Ben more pumped to face a Joey McManus or a Brendan Yegish just because, hey, man, if you're not on the top of your game, if you give up one run. That, that that could be the difference in the game. Yeah. So when I talked to Moore, uh, he he kind of he kept it kind of cool, and he was mostly just like he's he's not really kind of thinking about that. You know, he's kind of mostly just thinking about like you know him himself and pitching. But um, I, I I it definitely there is definitely like a level I guess you could say a more broad level of excitement and sort of a broad like it, it's a good measuring stick for all these teams. And again, a couple of the coaches I talked to have already said like we've just gone through this gauntlet of top pitcher after top pitcher after top pitcher that by the time you get to like you know the fourth or fifth one of these guys that you faced you're a lot more prepared for it just because you've seen it so many times and that's what that's basically kind of you know what 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 coach Kyling at Linganor said said about the their game against McManus it's like he obviously he you know he wasn't pitching quite as well as he normally does but also they've seen all the you know a ton of guys like him already this year so now you know you know they're more ready to face, you know, face him and face other pitchers like him. Um, so I, it, it's just kind of, I think everyone's kind of, everyone kind of knows there's something special happening and it's just kind of, you know, and it just kind of prepares you because very rarely in high school do you face, you know, one, one got one or two guys go in D one, throw in high eighties, low nineties, but now that you have like nine of them, 
that's it's it's ridiculous. Uh, ask uh, Andy Baker over at Middletown about yeah. his team facing um, them all consecutively. Yeah, and consecutively, basically, we're like three straight games of D one <laughs> pitching. Um, and while we're on the subject of pitching, I don't want this to get away uh, this week because we had a couple of uh, remarkable pitch- pitching performances on the softball side. Uh, Catoctin's uh, Taylor Smith uh, pitched two complete games, a hundred plus pitches in each game, back to back days against uh, Walkersville and then Leganor, and she held them both in check. Uh, gave up two hits, struck out 13 against Walkersville, then gave up three hits and only allowed one run to Leganor. And, and both those lineups are really powerful. So uh, some great pitching uh, by uh, Catoctin's uh, Taylor Smith. Is, her mother is a physical therapist, which helps keep her <laughs> arm in shape and allows her maybe to go 100 pitches on back-to-back days. Uh, but great pitching. And also uh, Avery Newman, uh, uh, the Tuscarora freshman, uh, came in. And uh, she came in in relief on uh, Tuesday uh, against Urbana on a really windy and cold day, one of, one of those fun spring days uh, that, that we get here uh, uh, in the spring season. And, uh, and uh, she uh, really uh, shut down the Urbana lineup. Uh, I think she had eight strikeouts, only gave up one hit in relief. Tuscarora still lost because they got off to a poor start, but but Avery Newman will be one to watch going forward. Alexander, I think you've seen her uh, play. I don't know if you've seen her pitch, but you've seen her play uh, this season. So, uh, so not all the great pitching is being done on the baseball diamond. Uh, there's there's a couple great freshman softball pitchers too to keep your eye on. Uh, Taylor Smith, that could talk to Avery Newman of Tuscarora. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you coming in. And when we come back, uh, we will talk to Brooke Wilson, the coach of the Leganor Girls Varsity Lacrosse team. Stay with us here on The Final Score. Very pleased to welcome Brooke Wilson onto the podcast this week. Brooke is in her fifth season as the varsity head coach of the Leganor Girls Lacrosse team. The Lancers are off to a great start this season. It's 7-2 and two overall, 6-1 in the CMC Spires division. Uh, recently, Ligonor beat Urbana for the first time in Coach Wilson's tenure. Thanks for being on, Brooke. How are you? Of course. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, w- what did that Urbana win mean for your girls? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> it was everything to them. I think they, you know, traditionally every year we are always counting down the Urbana game. I think it's just a big, really fun rivalry. Um, what is it, that cross-70 rivalry? Um, so our girls had been really looking forward to it basically all season. Um, and it was it was a really great game for us just because, you know, we've got, we've got a really deep bench. We've got a lot of girls who can do a lot of different things. Um, but when it comes to high-pressure games, um, we've tended to rely on sort of like our older girls or the go-to girls. And Urbana was this first game where everyone had that energy. Everyone from, you know, our starting position to our, our sidelines that go in for subs, like everyone was playing their best game. And so that was a really big win for us just because it proved to the girls that we can put together this full game where everyone is relying on each other. Everyone is looking for the next person to, to make a scoring play or to make a, a great play on defense. So it was a really great way for us to kind of like come together as a team and realize every single player contributes in a, in a really large way. Yeah, it was a little bit of validation and I'm sure a confidence boost all rolled into one there. Exactly. So. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it seems like everything's sort of falling into place for you guys this season. Why are you playing so well? 
Uh, I think it's it's a combo of things. I will say that we've just got really high caliber athletes. I, I will admit that we have um, admittedly a really young team as well. Um, we had 15 sophomores try out. Um, and I think we've got like eight or nine of them on, on varsity, which is pretty crazy. Um, so we are a very young team, but I will say that the girls who are playing are very dedicated to lacrosse. I've got a lot of club players, um, girls who are playing all year round, which makes a huge difference. A lot of girls who have grown up together, so they, they have that rapport kind of on and off the field. And so that lends really well to, like if you've ever seen like Aaliyah Doy and Reese Wallach kind of duo off the elbow, um, you know, they just kind of get each other. They understand how we play, how they play. And the girls are just having a blast together. And I think, you know, that's something I've prioritized as a coach since being at Linganore is, you know, we are a team because we play lacrosse together, but like we are friends, we support each other, we're each other's ride or dies. And the girls have really just taken that culture to heart. And we have amazing seniors who are really just keeping the culture of, of the girls just being best friends um, together. And I think that's why we're seeing so much success, honestly. Uh, talk, talk for a second about the progress the, the program is made uh, on your watch, Brooke. What, what was the state of the program when you took things over five years ago? Yeah, um, when I came in five years ago, I think the program um, the year before had won two games in their in their conference. Um, and so within the first year that I was on um, the coaching staff, we um, we doubled the amount of wins. So we got up to four wins, which was a good win for us. Um, and ever since then, again, just kind of that like team rapport of, of, you know, we are friends, we are supporting each other, we are there for each other. That's kind of been my, like what I have come into this program with, because I think, I think that wasn't necessarily always, um, encouraged in past years with the program before I got there. So um, every year since I've been with the program, we have gone up in our record. So we've, we've kept winning more and more games. Um, COVID years are a little tough to count, right? But, um, but basically, we've just had girls who have kind of bought into that culture right away, um, you know, and they've kept it going. And so like those, those freshmen who were my second year girls now up um, in their senior spots are, are really just keeping that alive. And, um, you know, the girls just, they like to be together. They like to spend time together. They like to compete. Um, so, yeah. Well, what, what did the program need when you took over? What was on the priority checklist when, when you, when you got in there and rolled up your sleeves and said, let's get to work? Um, this sounds surprising, but just like Allowing the girls a space to talk, that is something that is really, really big for me. Um, you know, I think coaches can give a lot of input as far as expertise in the game and, you know, where to place your hands or, or where to make this dodge, you know, effective. But I think a huge part of team rapport is just them being able to have conversations with each other and come to understandings with each other on the field. And um, my number one priority was, you know, after the end of a drill or at the end of a practice, not necessarily me as the coach saying, hey, this is what we need to work on, but instead opening that conversation up. Hey, guys, what did we like about this practice? What didn't we like? What can we walk away from that we need to improve upon tomorrow? Um, and just really letting that conversation flow. Um, and so it seems like maybe a little bit of an untraditional way of coaching, but it, it's really we found success with it with this program. Along those lines, given you have such a young team, like what sort of expectations do you outline for your players when, when, when they come into your program? Um, for our girls, 
especially with a young team, like what I've said this year is, you know, you have to have the emotional capacity to turn on um, to focus and be on lacrosse when you need to be, um, but still being able to balance that having fun um, aspect of, of being on the team as well. So um, this year it's really just kind of been like, you know, when we are on for practice, like we are going two hours and we are, you know, every intention that we have, like we are being very intentional with those two hours, right? Like if we're going to be here for two hours, there's no reason to not go 100%, right? There's no reason to not be each other's biggest competitors within this practice time. That's the only way we're going to get better. Um, so being a young team, I've definitely had to focus them a little bit as far as like them wanting to chat and have a good time together. But um, really for this year, just I've, I've tried to like get it into their heads like we need to turn on when we need to turn on, but we can still have that fun when it's when it's appropriate yeah and you guys do save a space for some fun you, this team does have some personality it seems uh, uh t tess angle uh, uh she she does a batman mask uh that, that, that the, the, your players really enjoy and love and they say it's a good luck charm tell us about tess and her batman mask yeah so the first time the batman mask showed up was for the oakdale game um that we played <laughs> and so again the girls just love to hang out so they like all got jimmy cone together um like outside of practice time and apparently tess just started she has this secret batman voice that she does and so she started doing it at this jimmy cone event that the girls were at um and next thing i know it showed up to our oakdale game and at first i was like oh goodness all right like do I have to rein these girls in? Are they needed to be focused here? Um, and they just like exploded out. Like the Oakdale game was one of the first games where I feel like we played at a really high caliber. Like we were playing to our full potential and we were kind of everyone on the team was contributing. And so the Batman mass has stayed <laughs> since the Oakdale game. And um, it's just been a really big motivator and kind of just way to kind of glue everyone on the field together. Yeah, I mean, Oakdale, as you know, has been a benchmark program in Frederick County for a long time. So that's another nice milestone sort of win for you guys and shows you how far you're coming, right? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. That was our first kind of like big Stoke game after we won. Um, and I think it's kind of helped us sort of keep that momentum moving forward afterwards. Uh, your leading scorer is uh, Reese uh, Wallach. Um, is that right? So, believe it or not, we have t we're tied for our leading scorers. Oh, and, we and, have and, Reese. and, and Leah, Leah, yep. Leah Doy, right? Yep, two sophomores, yep. Uh, d d tell us about Reese and uh, Leah. So, <clears throat> Lisa and Rhea are both, um, like I said, they've kind of grown up together. So, they know each other pretty well, and it lends to them actually having a really, a really great dynamic. Um, Reese is a very... Reese is, I mean, they're both sophomores, so they're both young. Um, but Reese, like, when you see this girl play, you just see, like, a fire under her butt. Like, she loves the game of lacrosse. She loves to compete. She just loves to be out there. Um, and I think that passion is is really starting to develop as she gets a little bit of age under her as far as, you know, her knowing if someone needs to get to goal or someone needs to make a play, whether that's an assist, whether that's a draw and dump, whether that's a drive to cage, like, she's really kind of starting to come into her own in that way and, and being able to make big plays for us. Um, Leah Doy is, is another very similar kind of style of play. She, um, she's really great. Reese and Leah, really great at like cutting, feeding to each other. They've got a really good rapport going on. Um, and Leah is just, again, she's got a, a great shot on her. She's, she fakes every shot that she takes. Um, for our first couple games, she was a hundred percent on all of her shots. Like every shot that she made, she was, or every shot that she took, she was making. Um, so she's got a lot of consistency for someone her age. 
And another Leah, uh, Leah uh, Coletti, is yeah. a 30-plus uh, point scorer for you guys so far this season among the leaders in Frederick County. Tell us about Miss Coletti. Yeah, so Leah Coletti joined the varsity team for Leonor as a freshman um, and has really been a leader on the field ever since. Um, it's been really impressive just to see her her confidence and her leadership style take over. Um, she is another one where, you know, she loves lacrosse, and, and if she knows that we need to get the ball in the back of the net, like, she's going to be one of those people that helps us make that happen. Um, so she she's a big competitor in practice, too, which I think is something that is really important um, because, you know, you practice as you play um, or you play as you practice. So having her show up and just be competitive and push the girls around her to show up and be their best in practice has helped us be able to kind of show up full and ready for for game day is leah part of the long coletti lineage that, that, that's come through ligonor yeah lot, lot, lots of great athletes uh brothers and sisters and stuff yeah so. yeah most definitely i actually played with elizabeth coletti in soccer um at st john's for a bit and i know she she kind of bopped around between st john's and ligonor right uh you guys are good on both ends of the field uh savannah donahue your defensive captain tell us about savannah yeah savannah is um <laughs> savannah is like one of those players where you know, you come, she shows up and you watch her play and you're like, God, I, I have nothing to, to teach you. you. You got it all. Um, she's just, her field sense and the way that she understands the game and how an offensive flows and how a defense is supposed to slide with it is, it's impeccable. I mean, like, she, I hope she coaches in the future. I know um, she's just, she's a smart player. And again, she's got that fire under her butt. She loves the game. She wants to compete and she brings up everyone with her. Uh, who else makes your team go? Oh man, <laughs> I uh, I it's been really hard. I mean, I can there's I I was going through our stats today, and it's just like even our even our sublines and our sidelines who aren't our starters are, are really heavy contributors. So it's it's really been a well balanced team. Um, but I will say we've had so Alexi Crosby is another senior, and Grace Doy they're in our midfield. So you wouldn't necessarily see their stats as high as some attackers, right? Because they're not just always down on the offensive end. They're running a lot up and down the field, but. Meg Hummel, Grace Doy are like a dynamic duo on the on the draw. They are they've got some height to them, but they've just got great ball handling skills and um, can track the ball in the air. So that's really important for us. And um, you know, as far as being able to get the ball down to to possess it and have an offensive run, um, Alexi Crosby is uh, is a senior as well, and she's on the circle. Um, but she is one of our one of our leaders in cause turnovers in the midfield. Um, she's our ground ball control leader, so she is um, she's she's basically a workhorse, right? Like she's making all the small plays happen so that our goals and our assists can happen on on the offensive end of the field. Right. And how about how about your goalie? Is it uh, Peyton? I'm going to mispronounce her last name here. Peyton. Botler? Yeah, yeah, uh, yep. I, I, I got it. Wow. There okay. you go. Peyton is um, yeah, Peyton's another sophomore, and again, like when I she she started as a freshman with us on varsity last year, and and again, one of those. I mean, let's be honest. I'm not necessarily the most um, goalie oriented coach. I don't have too much goalie experience, but I've got an awesome goalie coach this year, Dakota. But um, Peyton was one of those girls who again just came in, and um, I was kind of like, wow, like. I, I don't have too much for you at this point. Like, you're crushing it. Um, she is very mentally tough. Um, she's very competitive. You know, she's someone who, like, if she gets hurt in a game, she'll be like, she'll come out and she'll be like, you know, two seconds, get some water. She'll be like, coach, I'm ready to go back in. I'm like, no, you have, a, like, pretty much, you got to put a cast on that or something. Like, she's just ready to go at all times. She'll never say no. Like, anything I would ask of her, she would get in there and do it. So um, she's just really, she's really reliable. And I know that the defense is, is, they love having her behind the cage. 
since your team is so young, does that require you as a coach to be more patient? Yes. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. Um, because, you know, you don't want to stifle, again, the fun that they're having. Um, I think it's a really important part of just the high school sport experience. But again, it's it's those transitions that, you know, one, I should be a bit more patient with, but two, like getting the girls to be, you know, switching from play and having a fun mode to lacrosse and focus mode. But the girls have made an incredible progression this year. And I think it really has to do with our junior and senior leadership. Are you, are you a tough coach to, to play for? Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think I'm a tough coach. Um, I'm, I'm definitely more of like I try to go an encouragement route for the most part. Um, I think specifically coaching high school age girls. It's a really important the sports field is a really important way for girls to build confidence and, and feel like they can compete and, and get sweaty and, and express themselves and, you know, be aggressive. Um, so I really just try to encourage that um, have open conversations with girls um, and I'm, you know, uh, of course, I'm a coach that has her moments, right? If, if, if they're not listening, I might give them a little yell here and there. But um, for the most part, they, they, they operate well and they, they come ready to show up and they make my job pretty easy. Uh, do, you, do you stop yourself every once in a while saying, okay, this player is only a sophomore. It, it, next year or the year after, they're, they're going to get this. So, so maybe you're not as hard as, as you could be because you, you know they're so young. Do you, do you have those moments where you stop yourself and saying, okay, this, it's a process and the player will develop this over time? Um, I, I actually can't say I've had too many of those moments just because I really have high expectations for, for these girls. Um, you know, I think they can handle, they know the game very well. So like I will say the sophomores that are on our team play like juniors and seniors sometimes. They understand the, how the game flows in a way that I find is beyond their years. So with that, it kind of gives me a little bit more leniency to hold them to that expectation. Um, where I think my adjustment comes in is is the approach that I have coaching the girls and how I communicate with them. Um, you know, coming from college sports, I was someone who was spoken to in a very stern way, um, and that was what motivated me. But I, I've really had to adapt my coaching style, specifically with kind of younger girls who just aren't used to that direct feedback, right? Um, and that's a big life skill that comes through sports, right, is being able to have hard conversations around playing time or, um, you know, a skill that you could work on, but then also being able to highlight, you know, what are all the things that, that the girls are doing well. So they play tough they play they play older um and i i keep those expectations higher but um i do try and just you know make sure that we're communicating and in ways that is appropriate for everyone's you know mental state um you know keeping everyone encouraged and and supportive uh, your girls love playing lacrosse what made you love playing lacrosse lacrosse is just it it really is a very unique sport it's like it's like no other sport that i've really experienced um a lot of people compare it to like what is it surfing in in the 70s or the 80s it's like the new wave of of a really cool sport and it's it's growing um but for me you know i i was lucky to have a lot of speed at a young age and lacrosse really lends well to that and i was able to kind of pick up with my stick skills and i think just feeling confident in a sport especially as a young female is a really important thing to be able to feel so it just happened to be my best sport i loved being out there and competing and i, I love the girls that i played with and um it's just something i haven't really been able to escape i i've been playing since sixth grade and then i played collegiately um and then i actually traveled abroad for a bit and, and helped coach abroad and then um, have been coaching ever since so um 
yeah, it seems like I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> Did you play other sports growing up, or, or was lacrosse always your sport? Yeah, I played um, basketball and soccer. Basketball, lacrosse, and soccer. Yeah, you, you, you referenced yeah. your uh, soccer uh, playing playing at St. John's. So you're, you're you're Frederick born and raised. Yeah. So, so so what sort of what sports organizations did you play in growing up? What what, what leagues? So um, I played. Oh God, let me think about this. I did you know the whole AAU basketball in middle school. Um, you know, so I guess that's, that's a little bit more competitive league. But um, really, just going to St. John's. It's a it's a small group, so a lot of people play pretty much every sport, um, which was really great. I think in developing me as an athlete, just being able to transition between sports. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a really cool thing when you're able to do that. But um, I played for Frederick Stars Lacrosse, which was like the OG lacrosse club out of Frederick back in the day, run yeah. by Bill Sardella. So I know a lot of like current coaches at Frederick, like within Frederick County, came up through that club program as well. Um, but that was a big part of kind of fueling like my knowledge of the game and just like love for it um, was playing with a really awesome club and, and getting those really cool experiences. Uh, who nudged you towards sports? Was it your parents? Was it siblings or, or how did you become uh, an athlete? Um, I think it was something that I just kind of naturally got inclined to. I actually started with dance. I did like jazz, tap and <laughs> lyrical dance from like kindergarten through maybe like sixth or seventh grade. And then um, once I started lacrosse, I, I played basketball at a younger age as well, so I was playing like dance and basketball. And then I started playing lacrosse in sixth grade because of um, Pat Crowley. He was our sixth grade coach and a, a dad of a really good friend of mine. And he said, yeah, you should come out for the team. It sounds like you might do well. And I picked up a lacrosse stick, and after two practices in sixth grade, I was like, Mom, I'm not doing dance anymore. I got lacrosse now. <laughs> you, you gave up dancing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you were a midi, right? Yes. You were. Mm -hmm. so, so that combines offense and defense. Yeah. So what did you enjoy more, scoring goals, or did you enjoy stopping the other team more? Um, I have to say, I think defense is like the most hype position. Like if you make a big stop on defense or you have a great double team, like there is no better feeling. Um, and I think it's because it's really oriented in teamwork. Um, and so to, to be a successful, you know, 1v1 defender, you've also got to have your slides coming. You've also got to have the whole team behind you talking about if you've got to hold the girl, if you've got to force her a certain way, you know, if your slide's coming or not. So um, I think I really enjoyed defense just because it was – successful defense is a successful group all working together in one unit which is really really cool where, where did you play your college lacrosse bro i played at university of richmond in virginia okay yeah. so, so so down the road what, what was that experience like uh it, it was incredible it was really awesome uh it was a small school which which i really enjoyed but it, it had a really competitive lacrosse program um, we didn't make it to the, so we were in the Atlantic 10 conference and traditionally Richmond had made it to the championship for that conference every year. Um, we didn't make it my first year cause we had a coaching transition, but every year after that, we, we pretty much made it to the conference. So, um, it was just an incredible experience to play with high level athletes. You know, you come in as a freshman and you just look at these seniors as, as like gods pretty much. Um, and to be able to learn under them and just have a coach who was really insightful. She, she, she very much pushed me um, in a lot of ways to become, one, just a disciplined player, but two, you know, an emotionally uh, stable player, um, you know, to not be able to get caught up in emotions in a game and, and being able to keep your head down and keep focus on what matters. Um, so, and then I just had an incredible friends through the process as well. The, the emotional component's pretty 
big, right? Oh, and, huge. And, and, yeah. and not a lot of people talk about that or, or consider how that factors in. Yeah. So, so that, that was a pretty good insight you got there from your college coach. Very so. much so. Very much so. Where it was like during the time that I was playing, I was like, oh, God, you know, it's a little bit frustrating. But, you know, years down the line, when you go back and look at it, you're like, wow, I would not be the person I am today without the sport and without that experience at, at Richmond. Yeah, because sports are so mental in, in so many ways, and people just overlook that, and, and they don't consider that. Uh, uh, I mean, these aren't robots right. out on the field. They're, they're human beings with, with emotions and feelings and stuff like that. So it could be a tricky balancing act. Uh, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? Um. Even at the college level, like I would come back in the summers and, and mainly I was like, oh, gosh, I need a job. I need some money. But, um, you know, I would immediately go back to club and I was like, what is the most fun I can have um, in a summer job? And it was always coaching um, one because, again, you have that camaraderie, um, but it was doing something that I, I really love to do. Did you work like summer camps and stuff like that? Or? I coached as a like a club coach. So I went back to Frederick Stars Lacrosse okay. and the younger teams that were you know competing in club. I would come back and be like an assistant for the summer. Um, which was really, really enjoyable. Did you could you make some decent spending money over over a summer uh, coaching for a college or? kid? Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was like a couple grand, and it like lasted me through the year pretty much. So it was like my parents were always like, "You got to make your money, and that's all you got to spend throughout college." So that was it. I I kind of like you know kept my head down in the summer, and then that was what I had for the school year. You referenced an overseas experience you had. Tell us about that. Where, where, where'd you go? Yeah, so um, I actually, so I used to work for a nonprofit called Lacrosse the Nations. Um, I can't take, uh, I can't take credit for that pun, but um, it's a really amazing organization. Um, their founding site was based out of uh, Managua, Nicaragua, which is in Central America. So after graduating, uh, I, I actually, I studied public health in school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after school. Um, and Lacrosse the Nations was a nonprofit that was um, doing holistic community development within uh, Nicaragua, and so they had a partner. Uh, they had a partner organization that did um, community clinics. They did like youth sexual health classes, and they did all this really cool stuff around community development. And I thought I was going to Nicaragua just for the public health aspect of it, and then I. Um, kind of fell in love with what was Lacrosse the Nation's programming. And so uh, Lacrosse the Nation's operated out of two schools in Managua, Nicaragua. They're still there now. Um, they've actually expanded to Costa, to Panama and to Colombia as well. Um, but I basically helped. I was an assistant coach at first, essentially for the program. So, you know, we, we kind of reference sport-based youth development. That's exactly what these programs were. They were um, you know, a way to spread the game of lacrosse to a new community, but also use that as a tool for life skill development and positive mentorship. So um, I originally started just kind of helping out, like assisting in the programs with behavior management and then would help with, you know, explaining lacrosse drills and this and that. Um, and then I transitioned to end up uh, training the local coaches there to take over the program uh, full time. And so now that that program is running autonomously um, and I helped actually start a an all girls program there at the school as well. Um, so it's a really big like point of pride um, to know that those programs are still running and it and it gave me just basically my whole career path from from there. How, how prevalent is lacrosse in South America? Not prevalent at all. <laughs> but that's the magic behind it is that, you know, you have a bunch of kids who play soccer and play baseball, and then the kids who aren't as good at those sports kind of get edged out of that really important learning environment. And so lacrosse is a brand new sport in those in those communities that we were operating in, and so it, it kind of put everyone on an even, even playing field 
whether you were really awesome at baseball or you were terrible at baseball, like lacrosse was a whole new environment. And so it, it lended to um, having really awesome learning moments. Could you tell the kids there were embracing the sport? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, like, and because it, they're like the only ones in the country that play the sport, they have so much pride behind it. I mean, it's it's it, it's probably one of the most magical lacrosse experiences I've ever been lucky enough to be a part of um, because the kids are, you know, in the United States, sometimes you can get lost in the, you know, you're, you're, you're going to training and you're doing your strength training and you really want to get a scholarship and you're kind of putting your head down. And um, their lacrosse was simply played for the joy of the sport. Um, and it was it's the best way to play lacrosse. How eye opening was the day to day culture in Nicaragua? It definitely gives you a lot of perspective, um, a lot of perspective for sure. <clears throat> Anything from you know, not having hot showers <laughs> um, to, you know, walking a couple miles because, you know, you miss the bus and, and uh, it's 90 degrees outside and you're dripping sweat, um, you know, just down to the resources that people have. And, and it just makes you so grateful for, um, you know, where it made me grateful for where I come from, but also gave me a lot of perspective as far as what should be prioritized. Um, the, the, the people that I was able and lucky enough to spend time with in Nicaragua um, maybe didn't have as much as, you know, what we might be used to coming, coming out of, you know, Frederick, but um, they were an incredible community. Um, they supported each other. They are incredibly generous and um, really just gave me a really great perspective on, on what is important in life and, and what, what should be focused on. You don't realize how much you take for granted, right? Exactly. Uh, in, in, in day to day life until you experience something like that. Mm -hmm. So, so you came back from that trip and it was, I'm going to be a lacrosse coach now, or is, is that how it happened? Or? It was kind of like, I mean, so lacrosse has always been something that I've just had a love for and a passion for, and I just can't seem to operate without. But I, um, so I actually worked for Lacrosse Nations in sport based youth development, just kind of on the, on the operations, like administrative side of things. So I was in the United States and then doing communications and development. So helping raise funds for our, the programs that I once worked in, and then also getting the word out to try and get more lacrosse players to volunteer and, and do this kind of awesome work. And so, um, that experience one combined my lacrosse with my passion for helping communities, which was like the dream job. Um, and I've actually just recently transitioned to, um, Washington National, so still yeah, using sport. Brooke, Brooke has a really cool job. We're gonna we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna talk to her about that in a second. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that that sport you needed that aspect as part of your life and your profession. It sounds yeah. like yeah, so, exactly. So, how did the opportunity at Ligonier come about? So, uh, I actually someone that she was a St. John's sort of like family mom. Um, it's just like a good family friend. Um, I moved back from Nicaragua, and I, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I was just like, oh, let me get myself settled here, and, see what I want to do next. And, and how long were you in Nicaragua, by the way? I was in Nicaragua for 13 months. Okay, so a um, year, yeah. Yeah, so a year, came home, and um, just kind of was getting my, like, you know, putting out some applications, see what I wanted to do, doing some, like, private coaching on the side just to, to make some money. And um, and I had a, a parent reach out to me. She was a mom of a senior at Linganore, and I think their, their past coach – was no longer going to be taking the position this coming year, and they, they needed someone. And um, she she reached out, um, and I went through the application process, and and was lucky enough to to become the head coach at a at a pretty young age. I looking back now, I'm like not sure I was ready for that, but made it work, and um, it's just been an incredible experience since. 
that year in Nicaragua, was it the longest year ever, or were you so enjoying and immersed in the experience that it flew by actually pretty quickly? Uh, it, it, it flew by. Uh, we always had a saying, like, the days are long, but the weeks are short. Like, you know, you'll, you have a really tough day of waking up at 7 before practice or before schools and doing a morning practice and then walking the kids to lunch, and then you might have, like, an English class that you teach or a health class, and then you walk back and do an afternoon practice with the older kids, and then you've got English class at night. So it was very long days, but um, you're just so immersed in people and humans and human interaction and, and the community. It, and then you look back in a month, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this has already passed. So it's definitely something that I, I still miss to this day. But wasn't it tough because you're away from your creature comforts for, for yes. so long? Like you can't just go home and flip on cable TV necessarily right. or, or, or have all your convenient things right there. Was that a hard adjustment? I was surprised at how easy it was to adjust to that, to be honest. Um, I mean, and you still, they have like, uh, we called it Nika Netflix, but it's Central American Netflix. So they've still got, you know, some amenities like that. And it's just a little bit different. But um, I think, you know, if, if I had to guess, I think the reason the transition was easier than I anticipated, you know, not necessarily having all of those physical things was because socially and as far as like just the community, I was so full. I was so um, filled up by the people around me that I, I really wasn't missing you know, those hot showers too much. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't appreciate how much you miss a hot shower until you, you, you don't have one. Yeah. So, but like cell phone service, was that okay? Or I mean, did you have, were you able to call home and talk to friends and family back here every once in a while or? Yeah. So I did, um, I did just Wi-Fi. So I just canceled my phone plan. And then whenever I was on Wi-Fi, I could do like Skype calls or FaceTime okay. or stuff like that. So okay. that's the route I went. Okay. So it's not super primitive. They, they do have some modern infrastructure with technology and stuff like that yeah so, so you could call home and stuff like that yeah so. yeah definitely okay well what have you learned about yourself in five years as a coach you said you maybe weren't ready for it when you first started <laughs> um yeah I think um I think what I've learned about myself is that you can learn from anyone and I think that's been a really awesome thing is you know you come in as as a young coach I came in and I thought you know I had to be very stern because I was very close in age with the girls and I had to basically have all the answers and I had to tell them what to do and um, I've just found the more that I've been able to open up the conversation to be a group discussion um, I've learned as much from the girls and their ideas and just playing in different environments than I you know I think that they've they've learned from from me and our coaching staff so you're always learning um, and you know the game is adapting every single year there's there's so many changes that are happening with it and so um, I've just I've really been grateful for again the community that has formed with Linganore and and being able to be a part of that um, and just having the girls open up my eyes to say you know it is great for people of all ages and all backgrounds to contribute to a, a shared mission yeah i mean giving back seems to be very important for you that that seems like a major priority just why is it so important and what do you enjoy the most about it um oh man i think um i think a lot of people will agree that it's important i mean regardless of what you start with or what you have like at the end of the day like life is about human connection right and i think that's why i like sports so much is because you get these these crazy moments where everyone is just connected and on the same wavelength and, and contributing to the same goal, right? Um, so I think just, you know, when you can find a community cause or a philanthropy that, that gives you that feeling, um, you don't necessarily have to be a sports person or, you know, a part of a club. Like, you can form those 
those really sincere relationships with, um, you know, just a little bit of kindness and giving. Are, are you a super competitive person, Brooke? Do you do you do you hate to lose? Yes, very much so. Um, I think I could say both of my parents were competitive. They both were athletes. I've got two. I'm the only girl, and I got two younger brothers. So while they're younger, they are male. So I've always kind of had to compete with them a bit. Um, so I think I've just kind of from my family dynamic, it's really been fostered in me. Did you beat up your brothers uh, growing up? I am sad to admit I have a few times, yes. You, you have, I'm, 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 and I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure you could. So you, you probably threw them to the ground a couple times and pushed them over playing playing, playing lacrosse. What, what sports did they play? They were both, they both played collegiate lacrosse. So oh, we're a big okay. lacrosse family, but they also played basketball, um, big basketball people, um, and football. They both played football. Okay. Do you enjoy winning more or do you hate to lose more? What, what, what is the greater feeling? Hate to lose or enjoy winning? Enjoy winning because you can have some really great losses where you looked really good and you did everything you needed and it just didn't fall the right way. Okay. All right. Uh, well, what's the difference between private school lacrosse and public school lacrosse in your mind? Is there a big difference? Um, I think it, it definitely depends on the region you're coming from. Um, but what I will say is I think private school lacrosse is becoming a bit more competitive than it used to be. So, so I when I played at St. John's, I've got to be completely honest. Like we were, you know, we didn't have very many resources. Like we didn't have funds for recruiting athletes. Um, you know, we played in in a bit of a lower division. So we were kind of we played on like a dirt field. There was like yeah. patches of grass. Like uh, let, me, let me stop you there. <laughs> Pe people think private school. So the school's got money, mm -hmm. and these kids are lucky and privileged. They have all this top of the line technology, and and all this stuff is great, but. That's not necessarily the case for everyone. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It very much depends on the area and, and what kind of school it is. But um, I think specifically in this region, I mean, we're in a really incredible pocket for lacrosse, like just based out of like between D.C., Baltimore and Annapolis. Um, a lot of competitive lacrosse is happening. So I think private schools are, might be starting to take a lead there just because they there are teams in those areas that do have a lot of monetary resources and they're able to recruit and, and get really good coaches. But um at the end of the day, I think, you know, I think it just depends on the work ethic of the girls, but, yeah. Yeah. How far is Frederick County coming in, in girls lacrosse? I think it's it's definitely coming up. It's, it's definitely on the come up. Because um, we're still waiting for that first state champion. We've had yes. finalists before, but we, we're waiting for that first girls yes. state lacrosse champion. Are we, yes. are we getting closer to that day? I think we are. I think we definitely are. Like Middletown has been an incredible representative for Frederick County. Like they, um, they really hold their own. And I think, you know, we're getting up there with them. And, um, but I think Frederick County's still got a, a ways to go. Um, but like what I said before, I mean, so I grew up playing Frederick's, Frederick Stars lacrosse, and that was one club team out of Frederick County. And now you've got, you've got Rebels, you've got Renegades, you've got, you know, Pride, Heroes lacrosse, kind of all within, um, you know, close by areas. So the competitive opportunities are growing. And Urbana, even last year, uh, mm -hmm. they were in the state semifinals. It was such a weird year last year, even, even though it was more of a season. I mean, you had the 2020 season taken away from you last year. It was like a six-week season. So these last two years have been have been sort of nuts. So uh, what sort of expectations do you talk about with your girls? Do you talk about going to states and winning state titles? Or do you just sort of focus on playing well and let all that stuff take care of itself down the line? We've transitioned about a bit now um, as we hit that midway season point, um, starting to shift the girls' attention to, you know, outside of Frederick County competition and what that will look like and how we need to prepare for that. Um, I think we've definitely got a, a good shot um, to make it 
to um, you know to to a to a high level of playoffs. But um, what I focus on with the girls uh, is being the competition that each other needs in practice. So if that makes sense, like so showing up and being competitive with one another. I will say, unfortunately, that I think some of the Frederick County programs that are a bit that were a bit isolated during COVID, they they weren't able to keep up those competitive games because we had to isolate. So I've seen a lot of programs that were really really strong or you know had stronger kind of more competitive, um, you know, they were just more competitive now kind of not having those resources and that time spent playing competitive teams to keep that caliber up. Um, and so for us, I will say it, it's been difficult for us to um, play some teams that aren't as competitive as they used to be within Frederick County and then us still keeping our competitiveness and playing at right. our level. Right, you, you want to maintain that edge. Yeah. And, 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 you, and the better teams you play, the, the, the sharper that edge exactly. t- tends to get. When, when do you guys play Middletown? Because that's a game everyone's uh, looking forward to. Yeah, I believe it's, um, what is it, May 5th. May fifth, so May we got a couple 5th. weeks to go. We got a, another week or so to go. Okay, yeah. wow. So, do you like playing them going right into the playoffs? Because that'll that'll be a great uh, test for you guys and sort of a barometer for where you guys are at the moment. Yeah, I think it's a great lead up. Just us, and it's funny because we, I, I'm pretty good buddies with the Middletown coach Tyler, and he um, he asked me to join this. He he said, hey, do you want to join this um, fight for five tournament? And it was with Holy Cross and Mount Hebron. Um, Mount Hebron being a, a traditionally very very strong program. Um, and so because of that, we did join, but because of that, our Middletown game was supposed to be the Thursday before that, and it got moved so that we could play more games that week. So it wasn't supposed to be our last game, but it's worked out pretty well now that it is kind of as a, as a lead up for us. Uh, Tyler White's a great guy. And and given that you're friends, if you beat Middletown, how much grief will you give Tyler um, oh, he's, uh, yeah. for, for, for winning that game? Oh, I'll be talking smack for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. I, I, <laughs> but I would, I, I'm sure he's expecting it. If do. <laughs> I would, I would, I would imagine. So, uh, you, you're, you're giving back piece. So that, that's a big part of your day job too with, with the Washington nationals, uh, which is a really cool, uh, sounding job um, working for a major league baseball team. Tell us what you do for the nationals and, and just what sort of the priority is there. Yeah. So um, I actually just started in January, so I'm still a bit of a, um, a newbie there, but so Washington nationals has a philanthropic arm um, and that philanthropic arm runs a youth Academy and our youth Academy is, is specifically focused on youth based out of ward seven and ward eight, which are traditionally very under-resourced uh, wards within DC. Yeah. I've, I've been to the facility there through, through, oh, yeah. through, through my work, as a sports writer. Oh, awesome. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 Um, so it's a gorgeous facility. But so um, we're a little bit different than other MLB youth academies. A lot of other MLB youth academies do exactly what they kind of sound like. Like they're training MLB all-stars essentially is the hope that they're, they're going to grow up and, and be able to kind of filter into the league. But this one is a little bit different in that our main goal is to develop youth. Our main goal is to transfer life skills to kids through positive mentorship and and on-field coaching um, and in-classroom support too. So the kids come to the academy right after school. We've got a a bunch of local feeder schools and the kids can usually walk um, and programs start around 4.30. They they always get get a snack. Um, they get academic support time, so they get an hour to, to help with homework um, with our coaches and our mentors, and then they go outside for an hour and they, they learn lacrosse or they learn baseball, sorry, baseball or softball, and then they come back and they have an hour of mentorship. So that's someone from the community coming in and giving them an hour of one-on-one um, help, whether that be you know with homework or whether that be on, on a new math concept that they've learned. Um, and we like to focus typically on 
um, like those math and science courses um, because we've seen that the communities that we work in have lower scores in those areas from the schools that they're coming from. Um, and then just having really um, like a big focus on health, healthy eating, healthy exercise, what that looks like. Um, so it's a really holistic sort of development uh, facility um, with a really, really awesome crew of people. Is your day-to-day -day job just helping to coordinate and facilitate all of this stuff? So I am uh, what is called <laughs> the Youth Program Assessment Manager. So I essentially assess programs. So I collect data on all the programs, you know, attendance, um, social emotional learning scores from the kids, you know, math score progressions. Um, and I basically take that data and, and go to our program leaders and say, hey, we're doing really well in this area, um, but the kids could use some improvement here. So, you know, how do we focus our efforts to, to, to help continually improve our mission and make sure that we're having the highest impact on our kiddos. Yeah, I mean, this is a major priority for Major League Baseball, too. So, mm -hmm. so this sort of work is like becoming front frontline stuff because Major League Baseball, they're, they're, they're trying to get more kids. Um, they, they've noticed that African-American kids maybe aren't playing baseball as much. So mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to reach out and, and bring those numbers up and, and, and also help kids in, in underserved areas, like you said. So it sounds like a really fun and rewarding job that, that, that you have there. So. Yeah. Uh, be honest, Brooke, how, how annoying are the ticket requests for, for games that you've gotten? <laughs> I will say I've, uh, I've actually been like kind of thrown out there. I'm like, Oh, you can come to a game, come to a game. Come on. I got tickets. And, uh, no one, I, I think because I come from lacrosse where it's like, you know, the boys side of things, it's a lot of hitting and this and that. And the girls is pretty fast paced. They're like, Oh, baseball. Like what? Like, I don't want to watch baseball game yawn, but, <laughs> but no, um, it's, it's a really awesome environment. It's, it's new for me. And, um, it's just been an incredible thing to, to walk into. And I think it's just going to develop my coaching and, and sort of sport environment and, and sport skills elsewhere in my life as well. Yeah. But do, you, do you have to go in to work every day or do you get to work from home or a little, a little mix of both or? Luckily, so I, I go into the office twice a week, um, and so I'm sure you can ask my girls when I when I'm driving straight from D.C. to our games, I look a little disheveled for the first 20 minutes. But yeah, all, um, that, all that fun beltway traffic you've yeah. been sitting in, probably. yeah, really sets me up for success. But um, but yeah, the girls have been really great, just being flexible with me, you know, showing up a little bit later at times, and and just being all eyes on with our assistants and and being ready to play. Yeah, uh, what are, what are you looking forward to the most about the playoffs? Huh. I, I think the thing that I'm most excited for is just like when there's, um, there's, I, I like to say I, there's not really much coaching I do on a game day. It really like the energy that the girls bring is what sets them up for success. So if they are ready to compete, um, they have an incredible game. And so I'm just really excited for them to have that high level of competition and to really see all of their motivation and their training throughout the season just come together. Um, of their own accord. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure with a young team, you're excited to see how far they can go this year and then just how much better they get over the next couple of years, right? That, that's going to be a fun process for you, I bet. Yes, yeah, very much so. This is what I'm imagining will be probably the year, the, the furthest we will get in the playoffs. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a championship in there. Who knows? This, this will definitely be the furthest um, this team has gone um, this year. So I'm just really excited to see um, how it plays out and, and, and how we can compete and, and show our show off our skills. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Coach White will never hear the end of it, too, if, <laughs> exactly. if, if, if there are championships involved. Yeah. Uh, Brooke, best of luck to your team. Uh, th thanks so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, if you need Nationals tickets, folks, uh, you, <laughs> so you, you, you know who to contact. And, and she works for an awesome cause. So 
Uh, Brooke Wilson of Laguna Girls Lacrosse Coach. We appreciate having her on. My thanks to Alexander Dacey, my colleague, for coming on earlier and for Graham Cullen for producing. Thanks to you all for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Take care, everyone.